All right, welcome back. Um, my name is Jesse with the Rambling Preacher. It's been a while. I wanted to let you guys know where I've been, and uh, I actually got a job teaching here at a local high school, and it's been a pleasure just trying to balance my schedule with the church and with teaching and with my family has been difficult, but here we are. I'm super excited to be back. Um, and I've invited a good friend of mine, actually the friend of mine who helped me get this job. Um, been friends now for, geez, 11 years now, um, since 2010. Um, but Shane himself, and uh, we met back when I was still in high school we were doing a Bible study at the uh, the Methodist Church right down the road from the high school, Friday mornings in lieu of late start, and uh, and Shane came and I thought he was just another high school student, <laughs> and then I found out he was the youth pastor of that church and the church asked him to to just check us out. Uh, it was a tremendous blessing because I was a high school student and to have Shane offer to come help and pay for donuts and help with the milk and uh, help with the coffee and. Uh, host us and yet still be willing to just let the high school Bible study happen was really cool. So that's when we met. And I did write this down because I want to bear witness. Uh, if you listen to this and know me, I want to bear witness to who Shane is. Um, he is one of the best living examples of the fruit of the Spirit I know. He is mature in the faith, kind, caring, patient, and always ensures his yes is yes and his no is no. He is an amazing husband, father, teacher, musician, and friend. Anyone who knows Shane absolutely would echo what I'm saying here and now. This isn't to win any favors or talk him up before the testimony. I just want to be able to, uh, to share anything I can before he says uh, and speaks about his life, knowing that if you're listening to this, he has the highest regards in my mind as a Christian brother. And so I wanted to share that before I introduced him so you know um, I know him, I know his fruit, I know his character, and I have the highest regard for Shane. So as we go through this testimony... Um, hopefully you'll keep that in mind and, and, and be open to what he's saying. So anyway, Shane, now to introduce you officially, um, tell us about yourself. Cool. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Uh, it's always great to spend time talking about things that matter um, in this world. Yeah, I, let's see, I've been here at St. Joseph uh, Catholic High School for over a decade. I've, you know, taught, coached. I'm in the process currently right now of wrapping up my master's in curriculum and instruction and want to continue to see growth in, in my own academic journey um, and also in, in a higher level of education. I guess more specifically, um, I have a wife and, and, and two, two daughters and we're in the process of following a call that uh, we have to, to move to Minnesota next summer. and. That call really revolves around um, really, really the Lord, you know, and His prodding in our lives, and that has been specifically to just see change in my wife's family um, from a big, big Catholic family. Uh, her grandfather was one of seventeen, and wow. uh, they, they, they live hard and they play hard, you know. And there's a lot of addiction within that family, and. You know, we just have a call to to go and, and be in relationship with that family, and uh, I, I've been trying to be cautious, you know, in this experience to, that, that we're not coming into anything as like a white savior or somebody that's trying to, um, you know, change. I feel like there's a lot of growth in my, my life and, and my wife's at this point too, as the Lord challenges us uh, to to serve the lost and the least, no matter if it's uh, family 
or if it's another call that we have in that area in Minneapolis, there's about a quarter of a million Somalians uh, that have immigrated into the country, and that really represents a massive Muslim population in in the Twin Cities. And so, you know, we just have a heart for those people too. And I feel like there's an opportunity for us to really understand what the kingdom of God is all about um, when we see it in my wife's family, when we see it in the Somalian population, uh, when I get a grasp of what. Um, you know, what culture is like, um, what what the Muslim faith is like, and really how the Lord can transcend all those things. So that's kind of uh, where where we're at. I mean, my Christian walk has been something where, you know, I grew up in the faith. My dad's a Methodist minister, and so we'd just, you know, be called to different areas across uh, Colorado and Utah growing up. And I got to see firsthand, you know, what faith was like from a Methodist perspective, you know, when I was born all the way till I you know, graduated high school and then moved out on my own into college. Yeah. And I mean, just to look at all of this and, and see you're willing to change everything, change your, I mean, you've lived in Utah for how long now? Since you were in high school. Yeah. It's been over two decades I've been in Utah. Yeah. And willing to heed to the voice of the Lord and, and willing to kind of uproot your life and, and go to somewhere new and somewhere different. Um, and one thing, and I know I said it briefly at the beginning in my introduction of, of you, but one thing that's always just been so amazing about you since I remember the process when you're like, I'm really learning what to, to say yes is to mean yes and to say no is to mean no. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to hear you when you first told me, like, we're going to move to Minnesota, I knew at that point for you, like it was a done deal. Like you probably had been wrestling with this for months because you wouldn't say you're moving to Minnesota unless you were serious. And so for you to wrestle through that and let your yes be yes and and watch you kind of follow through with it has been uh, incredible because that's a conversation my wife and I have had. Like, what if God calls us somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we we hope not, but we have to remain open to that because as soon as I'm closed and say, God, you can't move me, I believe he probably would, you know? Um, But we're in a similar situation where a lot of my wife's family isn't saved, Mm -hmm. Um, some Catholic heritage, some LDS heritage. And so we, you know, we really want to stay here and be a light to them Mm -hmm. as well as as well as serve this local church we're a part of. So I love that. Um, Tell us a little bit, just because we're getting into kind of the testimonial of your your faith journey, if you will. Um, But tell us a little bit about your Methodist upbringing. just you said your father was a pastor. What else can you tell us about that? Sure. I guess like growing up, my experience with with Methodism was really that the, the denomination as a whole really kind of leaned on the 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 value of love and grace. And it was kind of the joke I think as I as I got older into high school and and beyond to kind of know that you know that part was something that. You know, I felt growing up that they they did a good job of. You know, I'd see people come into my parents' house um, because they were down on their luck, right? They needed a couch to sleep on for the night. Like, no matter where they came from, like I think my parents did a great job of like embodying that and and seeing the gospel in the in the way of love and grace. That uh, didn't matter, you know, where they came from, who they were, their background. That. Um, that I would see that, you know, and, and the Methodist faith has really gone through really kind of turmoil uh, more than maybe other denominations where they, they've kind of been stuck in specifically, you know, the, the discussion of um, 
homosexuals mm-hmm. in ministry, you yeah. know, and, and that's really put a, a, a divide within that denomination. And other denominations are in sure. similar yeah. kind of situations, but, you know, some denominations have, have either gone, you know, full support for that or, or fully against that, you know, and, and the Methodist Church hasn't been able to, to sort through that. Um, and that's, I think, been hard uh, as I've seen it outside, not living with my parents anymore, like just seeing the weight that that's put on my dad as a minister, knowing that um, how does he navigate that? Um, how does he, you know, lead a congregation in that when the denomination as a whole doesn't have a solid plan as to where that should go and where that's headed? Um, and it, you know, it seems like it's in a direction kind of similar to what it was during the Civil War, where there were Methodists that were pro-slavery and Methodists that were against, and it put a divide within the Methodist Church, and, and it seems like this debate could go in a similar fashion as, as time goes on. You'll have pro-gay um, you know, ministers and, and against it. You know? yeah. um, so I think I saw, you know, at least ultimately, like, love and grace, like, that's just like, Growing up, like that—that's what I saw. That was the stamp that I would say about Methodism. That, that, you know, that was something that they, you know, their 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 very motto is, you know, open hearts, open doors, open minds, right? That they would constantly like just see all perspectives of the kingdom of God, and and you know, I appreciated that. You know, growing up, I feel like that's why I have the servant heart that I do today because yeah. of that upbringing. Absolutely, and something we discussed briefly um, was kind of the scale of like. God's love and his holiness and they're not at odds with each other but in our minds sometimes they feel like they are Mm -hmm. because those that may be listening to this thinking God is holy you can't have a homosexual pastor in the pulpit like that is blasphemy Mm -hmm. and then you have others who are more love and grace and it's like well the love of God the grace of God Mm -hmm. they don't act on those impulses or whatever maybe Mm -hmm. Uh, and and where does that conversation take you? And so, yeah, I would agree that most of the Methodists I know, typically, not all of them, but typically they are very, uh, you know, carry on God's love and grace, maybe to a place I wouldn't personally. Sure. Um, but, you know, that I think that's a marker that some people need more of, you know, and, and we could have the discussion with maybe Reformed Baptists and how mm-hmm. they're, they're not marked by, you yeah. know, love and grace always. They're marked more by you know, tradition and the holiness of God and, mm-hmm. and scripture, which those are, those are great too. And I don't want to get too much over into that camp, but of course, the, you know, that's why there's so many different denominations. And I do think in general, just staying one more moment on that is I do see a very likely divide, not just with Methodism, but you're mm-hmm. talking, um, Presbyterians, you're talking, mm-hmm. um, Lutherans, you're talking, uh, even charismatics in some areas, you're talking so many different denominations are, they're having issues with this exact dilemma. Mm-hmm. Um, even the Southern Baptist Convention, if I'm remembering correctly, they didn't appoint a homosexual, but they appointed a woman pastor. And for the Baptists, that's huge. Like hey. they might divide from them because of that. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're just in a in a day and age where we we disagree more and more. It seems, and it's unfortunate. Uh, but you know, trying to draw what we what we love and what we care about from each and Mm-hmm. and trying to be as balanced as possible. Um, just a quick question. This probably won't take too long to answer, but uh, when we first met, you were serving as a youth pastor. You served as a youth pastor for many years. Um, what word of advice would you give to anyone who is young and aspiring to be a youth pastor or is a youth minister currently? I do connect with a lot of younger men on Instagram that are either youth ministers currently or 
pursuing to be youth ministers, what would you recommend or what would be something you could, you know, just a small word of advice just briefly? Yeah, well, I think if you're, you know, serving uh, the, the future generation, right, that is the now of, of the church, I mean, I think as any minister, right, we're, we're called to a higher standard in, in, in Scripture. And I think, you know, being, being in the Word and being grounded in your own faith life is, is key uh, because those youth really kind of embody um, what you're kind of putting out, you know, as a youth sure. minister. Um, I think having mentors in my life was key. Like my, my former, you know, youth pastor, somebody who was involved in youth ministry at, at the church that I was working at really kind of, you know, grew me and groomed me, you know, as, as the next youth pastor. And I think having those resources and not being afraid to, um, you know, push into those things, uh, because, you know, as a young, you know, 20 year old when I started in youth ministry, like I, I knew nothing really about it in terms of the organization, the structure, um, what parents expected, you know, uh, in terms of security and safety when we were out on retreats or whatever. And so, you know, understanding that stuff, I think was really vital for me, uh, to have people in my life that, um, yeah, really took me, you know, under their wing and wanted to see me be successful and I think, you know, maybe lastly with that, uh, I think young youth ministers need to set boundaries. I mean, I, I know we ta- you talked about it at the beginning, you know, yes and no. That's That's been a process of mine since high school that I've had to work so hard on, you know, because I have this heart for saying yes to everything. But I think as a, as a young youth pastor, it doesn't matter if you're single or in a relationship or whatnot, like the church... The church can take advantage, you yes. know, of that, and and I don't mean that in a way that that is flippant. Like I, I mean that 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 we sometimes lose track as young youth ministers, like our own faith journey, you know, and we're just pouring into these kids like they're our own, which we should be. But uh, there needs to be that balance, or you you go five, ten years in youth ministry, and you're like wow, you know, what's my journey been with the Lord? Like, I don't even have time for myself to process like what the Lord has, has for me. Um, I don't view that in a selfish way. I just view that like the Lord is going to speak, uh, you know, to, to the young youth ministers just as much as you the young youth ministers want to speak the Lord's will into these kids. So I, I think it's, it's a balance, you know? Yeah. I mean, those, those are amazing points. I would agree completely with. I, I used to be a youth minister as well. And Boundaries, just to re rehighlight kind of some things you said. Boundaries, absolutely important for young ministers, especially if you're single. I have noticed the single men, they'll get taken advantage of oftentimes more than a, a married couple or a couple with kids. Uh, so be very careful with that. Boundaries. Uh, and then also I like that you emphasized, um, right at the beginning you emphasized um, the importance of Scripture and then also modeling your faith because something we say is, to the elders of our church all the time is people aren't going to do what we teach. They're going to do what we do. Mm-hmm. We have to model mm-hmm. uh, love. We have to model humility. We have to model repentance. We have to model forgiveness. We have to yeah. model um, being quick to hear and slow to anger. We have to model uh, being quick to reach reconciliation with somebody. We have to model those things. It isn't enough for us just to teach it. Yeah. You know, and I agree with you can get lost in this, you know, 
your identity is now I'm the youth pastor and that is my the reason I study is to teach the kids and the reason I you know do this is for the kids and it's like you lose sight of your first identity is yeah. just to serve Christ and to have your personal relationship with him yeah um, moving on and, and man of many talents here probably besides my wife because my wife is my wife but besides my wife you're, you're definitely one of the most uh, anointed and talented worship uh, pastors or worship leaders that I have uh, been the, been the pleasure of being involved with and I know you probably don't like hearing that as much because I don't like when people say I'm a good preacher or anything like that <laughs> but you really are and, and and not to use the word anointed lightly I do feel like God has gifted you in that way um, but you used to lead, uh, you, you've led worship all over. I mean, you used, used to lead when we did our men's retreats mm-hmm. through the summer. You would lead worship for us. Um, some of my favorite memories were when we were able to get our Rend Collective type of band up there. <laughs> yeah. That was great. I mean, I don't even know the name of all the instruments we had up there. Um, but that was fun. So good. And then to watch uh, you lead worship at University, which is the church, uh, like a, not a church group, but a Christian group up at campus at the college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do believe that's kind of where you began to experience more diverse denominations and theological perspectives. Um, so, I mean, just briefly, um, how did InterVarsity and, and interacting with those types of people with different backgrounds, how did that affect your, your faith journey? Yeah, I think my you know my upbringing in in high school was pretty Protestant, right? I had con- I we'd made connections with other churches that were specific in Presbyterian, you know, Lutherans, Baptists. You know, I worked at a Baptist church as a janitor my freshman year of college. But yeah, when I when I hopped into InterVarsity, you know, I was interacting now with Charismatics and Catholics and atheists and agnostics, sure, right? It yeah. was like it was completely different, right? From from my basic understanding, which was there's Christians, you're a minority in Utah, and it's Mormons, right? Like that's kind of what my my lens was through in high school. Uh, so, so yeah, getting into a place with InterVarsity to kind of see that and getting to know people. I mean, I had a roommate that was Catholic and really kind of like to understand like his, his background and just the, oh, wow, like the the structure, the history, the heritage, you know, of that, of that faith, right? The, the rock of the church, right? Like this, that, that was something that was, was fascinating to me, right? Since Methodism is only, you know, 300, you know, ish, you know, years. So to kind of get that perspective, I think, you know, got to really see the history uh, of the church, which was great. You know, seeing a charismatic side, like just seeing people, worship freely the movement of that the the opportunity to just go in different directions not only in worship but in prayer in conversation i mean i think those were the biggest things that it it kind of that i saw and i think you know shaping my my christian walk I, i i would hope that from that experience i became a more well-rounded follower of Christ, right? That, that yeah. I would see Christ, I would see people through Christ's eyes, right? And that Christ would see um, the full perspective and I, you know, hopefully would see more of a full perspective of the kingdom. Yeah. 
No, and I think that's awesome. I mean, even myself, when I first took this job, I was like, you know what? I haven't really been exposed to Catholicism. I mm -hmm. spent my whole high school life studying out the LDS faith. Yeah. And I didn't even study out other denominations within Christianity because in general, I was like, well, I'm probably more right than them. And, <laughs> you know, I, sure. the pride of man, yeah. I'm probably more right than them, but they're still Christians, so it's fine. And so I'll focus my attention on the dominant religion in Utah and try to know it and beat it, you know. And, yeah. and I think I came about that with maybe the right heart, but the wrong way. And mm -hmm. there was a book I read that was like, I love Mormons and about how really to, to reach the LDS people is to have a heart for them and to display the love of Christ and to, um, and to kind of allow them to witness the genuineness of your faith. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of the things that the Mormon faith is, is dealing with is um, they feel it's the right thing, um, but it's, it's about being as, as perfect as you can in a sense to yeah. reach you know, to please God. And so when they see that you're just doing it because not to, not to please God, but because you're pleased with him, I think that kind of affects things in their eyes and something that's interesting, you know, yeah. uh, we talked about it, but John Wesley, the founder of Methodism and was originally coined as a kind of a rude term. Um, but he also started the holiness movement, which bled into eventually the Azusa revival of Pentecost and the Pentecostals. Um, and so kind of, you know, John Wesley founded two very different denominations that you have, you know, strung throughout the church now in Pentecostalism and Methodism. Yeah. So really interesting. And uh, yeah, to, to watch you uh, interact with people in varsity, and I was involved with that for a very short stint of time. Um, but it was good. It was good. And, and, and to see and meet and interact with people of different journeys was cool. Hmm. Um, to move on to another question here for you. Uh, what was maybe something within Methodism that you think they got right that you wish maybe other denominations saw? Or maybe something you, you feel like has been ingrained in you since you were young, but you feel like other people don't have yet. Maybe even something I don't have because I wasn't ingrained in Methodism, but something that, you know, you, you feel like you, were, you learned. And if it's back to the love and grace, then that's it. But you know what I mean? Just something that they got right and you feel like more people need to hear today that aren't Methodist. Yeah, well, maybe it falls under that umbrella of, you know, giving grace and loving to others. But, you know, I had experiences early on where I got to be a part of missional, like, experiences, right? If it was going to Biloxi, Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina, right, wow. and helping mm -hmm. to rebuild homes, or if it was going to Port-au-Prince, Haiti after their earthquake and, you know, going into that, that, that country, which is, I mean, even now, right, with all the political unrest that's going on, but definitely, you know, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And, and seeing that, I think, you know, once again, like, I've had experiences where we go in, right, we try to fix things or whatever, build up, help them. But I, I always felt like it was a sense of a communal thing. You know, when I went to Haiti, we were in this cinder block, you know, just empty kind of warehouse with a roof over it. You know, they had an earthquake. It was still standing, luckily. But, you know, their generator isn't working, and they just stuff people in there, right? It was stuffed. It was just, you know, shoulder to shoulder, hundreds of people just praising the Lord, right? Yeah. In a country with with nothing financially, right? And that was so humbling for me to see. I think as a 
as a Methodist at that time, knowing that, you know, through the organization that, that does missions, it's UMCOR through the Methodist church, like they're not really into like proselytizing, like mm-hmm. they're into like, you know, let's, let's, you know, be an aid, let's be a support to you because, you know, I really kind of saw that come full force when I walked into that, you know, warehouse essentially. And it's like, they, they don't need us to tell them about the glory of God. You know, they, they should be teaching us, you know, what the glory of God is, you know, yeah. through, through worship and through, um, and just that, that experience. So I, I think, you know, for me, like having those opportunities, I think, I think um, UMCOR does a really good job of, you know, whenever there's something that's, that's needed because of natural disasters or some kind of political unrest or something like they're, they're on the ground and, and, you know, Methodists get to be a part of that, um, and get to see, you know, the world and get to see, you know, the full kingdom of God. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, I don't want to speak too much to it. Uh, the next question I have on here is, uh, what is something you wish you knew sooner in your faith journey? So, as you grew up in Methodism and now as you're older and have kind of been exposed to different denominations and different theological backgrounds, what is something that you, you hold near and dear to your heart now that maybe you didn't as a teenager or a young man and, and you wish you knew about God or the truth of the word sooner? Yeah, I think InterVarsity, you know, really kind of instilled within me the importance of having a personal relationship with the Lord, not to say that I, I didn't get those opportunities, but, you know, I don't think I really took that seriously until I was in college. And, you know, you could say that was because I was on my own at that point and I'm not under my parents' roof, like, essentially, like, this is how we're going to do it, you know. But, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up in a home where we read scripture all the time, you know, as a family or like, you know, did that individually. It was we were certainly involved, you know, all days of the week, you know, with the Methodist faith, if it was with events, if it was with Bible studies and stuff. But, you know, when you you take a breath from all that, it was like, we got other things to do, you know, instead of being in the word and stuff. And um, yeah, not that I don't think my, my parents, you know, modeled that well, but like, you know, the focus was on loving people, you know, and that's where it was. So I think, yeah, like I, I think if I would have had maybe an experience early on about the importance of, you know, being in the Word and having my own prayer life and things, I, th- I think, you know, it definitely would have changed the trajectory of my life. Um, you know, I guess I'm a believer that, you know, the mistakes that I've made in my life because of maybe not, you know, going in certain directions with the Lord really have made me, you know, who I am too. But yeah, if I'm looking back at something that, you know, I wish I would have more of, like, yeah, I wish I had more time with the Lord. You know, I think yeah. every day, like, I I need to, um, I need that, you know, at this point in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, next question for you to get your thoughts on is, um, as you can begin to open up to other um, denominations and their lines of thought, what was perhaps something you were the most weary of, if anything? So not that you were afraid of all the other denominations, but what is maybe something within those churches that you were like, nah, I don't know about that. Sure. You know, just seeing like 
perspectives in, in, in the media, you know, through movies and stuff where people are just getting slain in the spirit, you know, just like falling yeah. over, right? <laughs> um, and just it looks like they're going into like a seizure or something, you know, like, I mean, that was that was unusual, you know, to me as a sure. high school student, right? Or, or in growing up in Methodist faith, like, you know, to put your hand up in a service like that was that was that was getting uh, pretty risky, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, that just wasn't wasn't my, you know, the, it was the hymn tradition, you know, or it was like, ooh, we got a praise band. There's some drums, you know, like, I mean, so I think like seeing that like on the other side of maybe the charismatic kind of side, like that was definitely something that, yeah, I mean, maybe weary, just unusual, something I didn't understand. Sure. Yeah. Even to this day, I mean, a lot of people I interact with, um, they still don't know how they feel about being slain in the spirit. Right. Um, and, and I'll admit, like, I've never experienced it. And I've been around it uh, growing up charismatic. And um, it's something biblically I think can be defended. Um, and, and same with raising of hands. I actually read an article that was, like, talking about how we're, we're bringing attention to ourselves when we raise our hands. And I'm like, biblically speaking, like, the posture of surrender, mm. the posture of worship, like, there there's probably 10 to 1 scriptures about raising your hands to the Lord versus being, you know, still or quiet or leaving them at the, your side. Right. And, but yeah, that is different upbringings. I mean, that's obvious. Like at my church, you were the weird one if you didn't lift your hands, you know. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, just very different upbringings. So it, it's interesting to see. So now it's like, oh, they're the less spiritual one if they don't lift their hands. They're not really into the worship service <laughs> versus right. what you were experiencing. Like, oh, that's, that's risky, you know. I right. remember going to uh, a local Baptist church service. It was a Sunday night service where a friend of mine was getting baptized and there's like coffee tables and people are having muffins and coffees and sure it wasn't like an actual service but they're having worship and I stand up and only like half the congregation stands up and then I'm like it's literally called I stand you remember that the stand I stand with oh arms yeah high, uh-huh. you know when it was surrender whatever that song was you I don't have remember. to interact with that song right I'm not kidding I was one of like three people out of a hundred that lifted my hands and I'm like looking over at my buddy, he's the other one lifting his hands. And he's like, how do you not lift your hands for this song? And I was like, I don't know, like, what is going on? And I remember that experience with the Baptist church as a teenager thinking, what are these people doing? Like this song, they're literally singing, I stand with my arms lifted, you know, whatever the word, I can't even remember now, but to see like nobody lifting their hands and only half the congregation standing, I was just like appalled. Um, But anyway, I bring that up just because I think it's a funny relation to that where yeah there are certain denominations where you're reverent and you sing and Mm -hmm. it's all in your mind you don't draw any attention to yourself or or heaven forbid the church will smite you you know and Mm -hmm. not saying they did that but you know i do know churches that did that and um and it's just kind of funny that that's very different upbringings in that uh we don't have too much more time we could do a part one and part two if we want or we could finish recording later but my, my last question for you, if we're going to wrap this up in this segment and do just kind of like a part one, is what, early on when we were doing men's retreats together, I remember kind of asking you about the spiritual gifts of the spirit or the, the gifts of the spirit that are typically known in the charismatic world, whether that be tongues or prophecy uh, and other things like miraculous healings. And I remember you kind of telling me, um, like I, I remember thinking there's no way that Shane is okay with these things. I remember thinking that. But then when I talked to you about it, you kind of said, you know, I'm working through that. 
And I've kind of witnessed more people in my life who say they speak in tongues, or maybe I've witnessed it or heard it, and they're genuine people who know the gospel, who understand Christ, and, and they display love and grace, and kind of had this, this story of, I don't know, but it seems, I don't know, like it, it just really, to use the terminology that a lot of people use today, even people from um, Apologia Radio, I've heard them use this language, open but cautious, right? Mm-hmm. That's a very common soft continuationist stance where you're saying, hey, I, I'm maybe Presbyterian or maybe I'm Reformed Baptist, sure. but I'm open but cautious. And I feel like that's where you were at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, to where you are now, and I, I, don't, I wouldn't say you're probably open but cautious. I think you're maybe open but more cautious than most charismatics, but not necessarily cautious in the sense of the Spirit, right? So just kind of to end this particular segment, yeah. um, just tell us a little bit about that transition of you know, this is where I was versus this is where I am, uh, and what you had to wrestle through um, when it came to kind of some of these more serious gifts that you weren't exposed to in Methodism. Yeah, I think InterVarsity, you know, really had that kind of pressed into what they were doing. I mean, there was there was training, you know, that I received when I was in college that was focused on prayer ministry, right? And sure. how do we um, take people to the the feet of Jesus, you know, and, and help heal people physically, you know, mentally, emotionally. So, you know, I saw things that were very different. You know, I don't, I don't think I'd seen anyone like healed of something, right? Sure. The, the conversation around Methodism is, oh, like we have, we have, you know, medication that's been, you know, created by doctors that are inspired from the Lord, right? And like, that's how we're healing people. But like to actually see like, you know, people's, people's arms healed, right? Or people healed from seizures or like this emotional like experience that someone had where they were, they were assaulted, you know, sexually and like to, to see healing from that in their lives was something that I just hadn't experienced before, you know? And, and so I think to see like Holy Spirit move in that way was definitely like not, you know, yeah. my experience, you know, we, we knew who God was in Methodism, you know, Jesus, you know, died for our sins and, you know, Holy Spirit's there, but like, you know, the, I joke, like it was kind of, you know, the, the weird second cousin, you know, <laughs> like Holy Spirit just wasn't really there, yeah. you know? So to see that and, and get a fuller perspective of the Trinity, I think, I think was good. Yeah. I think, you know, to this point, definitely more, um, yeah, different in terms of, I mean, I think I still need to be cautious with yeah. the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, but my, my wife, you know, grew up on the complete other side where she's yeah. charismatic. And I think it's been a cool, like, partnership to see, okay, like, where do we meet together, you know, on some of these things? I, I know that, you know, my wife prayed over me, you know, for speaking in tongues, you know, and what that was like was really special for her and I. Um, but, you know, how that's used and how that is edified and how that is expressed um, is definitely something that I'm still working through and seeing people, you know, process that. Cool. I appreciate that. And last question for you, um, for today, I do think Shane and I will have one more conversation in a couple weeks, but one more conversation for you, or question for you today is, uh, many people who listen to this are either charismatic or they're open, but cautious themselves or they're wrestling through um, the continuation of the spiritual gifts. So to hear us speak so plainly about them, maybe they're like, well, I don't know if I'm there yet. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think there was probably a point in your life where you're like, I don't know if I'm there personally yet. I accept those who are, but yeah. maybe I'm not. And just what recommendations maybe do you have to those who are open but cautious on how to wrestle through this? Um, and maybe a little bit about how you wrestled through it. Uh, and just, you know, uh, share your heart with those people that are open but cautious. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think as, you know, I've been reading through 1 Corinthians 12 as we were kind of preparing for, you know, spiritual gifts, right? I think it's important to know that when, you know, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, right, he says, you know, to one person, right, or to one sure. type of person. And I I don't look at those gifts and say, like, I'm supposed to have all those gifts manifested in my life. Like, yeah. cool, God, like, if that's how you want it to roll, that'd be fantastic. But I, I also think, you know, we have different fruit, right? Fruit in the spirit that, um, you know, creates all the branches of the tree that is the Lord. And I just want to be rooted in that, right? It says Psalm 1 talks about us being rooted. So I think, you know, in, in prayer, you know, asking the Lord, you know, on your own, like, Lord, like, you know, what, what do you want to teach me? Where do you want me to be in the gifts, Father? And you know, give me those opportunities. I, I think the conversations need to happen in the church too. Yeah. I, I think there are some churches that either just gloss over the spiritual gifts and there's no opportunity, you know, for those to be in an environment that should be safe and should be monitored, right? Yeah. Um, and then you have it on the whole other side where there is no monitoring yeah. at all and and the charismatic is is going off in a direction that, you know, I know we talked about yesterday that that seems like it's going in a more evil trajectory or something that is not biblical, yeah. right? And so I, I think I think the conversations need to have happen in the church and and need to have accountability in the yeah. church, right? I mean, I love that. With you know, we talked about the tongues, right? I mean, there there's people that that can interpret that, you yeah. know, and I think that needs to be um, in that space too. So I think it, it's hard to see in any kind of environment, I think it's hard to find one church that embodies all of those spiritual sure. gifts a lot of Absolutely. times. Sometimes it's just highlighted or sometimes it's just empty. Mm -hmm. So yeah, prayer and in your own space. And then I think, you know, mentorship and conversation in the church, like those, those are things. And then, yeah, keep, keep reading the word, you know, yeah. and, and seeing what, what, what our, our forefathers of, of the generations of Christ, you know, worked through in their own life uh, with spiritual gifts. Yeah. And I mean, to kind of add on to that, because I know people that are open but cautious, it's, you know, to me, it's it's not about seeking this, the gift. And I think that's a reformed attack of charismatics. It's like mm -hmm. you elevate the gift above the giver. And certainly, you know, I think we do have to be faithful in stewarding the gift we do know we have, right? Mm -hmm. Some of us are teachers. Some of us are maybe talented musicians and we feel called to worship or maybe some of us are just uh hospitable and we're great hosts and we're kind and you know and i look at the fruit of the spirit and we must have the fruit above the gifts and yeah and and so for those that are open but cautious i, I my word of advice too to add on to this is just be just be faithful with where you're at what you have because mm -hmm. as shane said in, in first corinthians 12 it, it does say like to each one is mm -hmm. individually distributed as the spirit wills it's not even as we will and now i do think right. we can seek the spiritual gifts in fact chapter 14 says I, I want you to desire to prophesy. Mm -hmm. And so that's something for me. It's like, if I'm not faithful to the word and teaching as I know I'm called to do and as I feel gifted to do, um, then why would, why would the Lord give me the gift, you know, the gift to, to give a prophetic word or a word right. of knowledge? Like, it, to me, it's like, I'm open to those things. I want those things because the word commands that I should desire those things. Mm -hmm. But 
I need to remain faithful with what I have and not look to the left or the right and be like, well, I'm not an eye or I'm not the hand, right? right. And I think that's what we love to do. And, and so to those of you that are open but cautious or maybe charismatic, just remain faithful with what you do know you have. And, and yeah, seek the other things, but not above the giver. Um, and yeah, seek those other things, but not above being kind or displaying the fruit of the Spirit. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a whole conversation that, you know, we could have, I, I could have so many different podcasts on so many different topics. And I think eventually we will have those conversations on this podcast. It's just a matter of time and, uh, and biblical study and, and making sure we're we're stewarding the Word of God with excellence when we do approach these subjects. So hopefully uh, this discussion, uh, just a bit of a testimonial with Shane, was productive. Hopefully you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, there's no reason to not have Shane on as often as he would like because uh, we're close by now. We, uh, we stand a hallway across from each other for eight hours a day. So. Uh, praise with, God. Yeah, praise God. <laughs> with saying that, um, we're going to close off, but we do plan on, it sounds like Shane and I are planning on talking in a couple weeks on another topic, so we look forward to it. And until then, uh, be blessed and have a great rest of your two weeks.